right, you all may find a seat or someone else's seat, as I like to say. Then you'll get to know them better, maybe. Woo! It is one of my favorite sounds to hear everyone joyfully talking or watching some of those of you who are like, oh, can we get started? <laughs> oh, happy Easter. Easter tends to hold a mystery of its own, something you've likely experienced or felt. And while, of course, we gather together today to proclaim that death does not have the final word, I feel like I have a lot more questions, a lot more ponderings and wonderings today than I have answers. I'm actually going to pause a few times this morning and pose some of these wonderings to us. And I want to invite you to just take a moment in silent reflection, or simply allow the weight of those wanderings to soak into your being. We read our scripture already this morning. That is our text for today. I will not reread it. I hope you were listening the first time. You might know this about me, but if I could live outside, I would. I feel deeply alive when the rhythms of my days are oriented around the setting and the rising of the sun. In the wee hours of the morning, I regularly sit in my backyard, joined by the birds putting on what is commonly known as the dawn chorus. For as much as I've been into the birds the last couple of years, it sure did take me quite a while to finally ask the question why the birds are out before sunrise and during sunrise and singing with such gusto, we can hear them inside of our house. And no, it's not what our grandparents may have taught in the phrase, the early bird catches the worm. It is believed that in the darkness, it is hard to search for food after a long and often cold night. And it's too dark to be spotted by predators. So, it is the perfect time to sing. And at this most challenging time of day, when hunger is strong, there is a display of health, of resilience, holding one's ground, so that rivals don't get any funny ideas about moving in. And even on the coldest of mornings, like this morning, I throw on my snow pants and my puffy coat, and I bear witness to the sunrise, which, too, is an act of deterring any rivals, any rivals to hope that would take up space or residence in my life. I wonder what rivals to hope are trying to take up space or residence in your life today, on this Easter.
the resurrection account here in Luke begins with the words, it was now sunrise on the first day of the week. This is the sunrise that follows the day of resting, or what is known as the Sabbath, which actually falls on Saturdays, despite many Christian observing it during Sundays. The Sabbath is a day in which we rest in God's care, as our lives are repatterned by resting from the act of creating, and we enjoy creation. After preparing burial spices, probably about 75 pounds worth, the women had taken the day to settle into their homes and to rest for their lives to be repatterned in God's care. I don't know about you, but I find it rather hard to rest. Unbusying myself can bring me to feel the full weight of what is going on in my life and in the world around me. The resting puts me in touch with what's happening in me, in my body, which, frankly, I'd rather at times just ignore. I can only imagine all that the women would have felt in the wake of Jesus' death as they waited and rested and enjoyed creation on that day of resting. And after that day of resting, the women journey to the tomb, a journey that might also be characterized as an act of deterring any rival to hope that would take up space or residence in their lives. I imagine the dawn chorus rings throughout the land alongside what could only be an overwhelming aroma of myrrh and aloes that they have hauled to the burial site, that they had hauled to cover up the smell of decomposition, to cover up the smell of death itself. I wonder what we carry to cover up the smell of decomposition in our lives. Upon arrival at the site, they find the stone has been rolled away. The body of Jesus is gone. There's an emphasis in the text here on them finding the stone rolled away, but also not finding Jesus' body. And this emphasis signals that this is the place of the dead. Needless to say, they aren't expecting any visitors, and they stand in amazement and wonder at what they have seen. And because they aren't expecting any visitors, when the two men appear, they fall down, trembling in fear. I envision that this might be the moment in which those herbal spices were dropped. 
probably left there, right there in that place. No longer needed because Jesus is alive. I wonder, will we drop and leave behind what we have carried to cover up the smell of decomposition in our lives? I think the next part of the story is my favorite. Maybe because it's what I need to hear. Maybe it's because it's what we might need to hear today. It is this. Why do you look for the living in the place of the dead? Why do you look for the living in the place of the dead? Have we forgotten what Jesus has promised? Have we been unable to hear Jesus whispering this whole time, Come, I will walk with you through the darkness. Name it. Release it. We can move death. Even the stones and the rocks are raising their voices and crying out. And we still look in the places of the dead for what we know to be alive. The women remembered what Jesus had said previously about his death as they followed him along the road into Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 18, he reminded them that they were on their way to the sacred village of peace known as Jerusalem, where all the words of the prophets about the true human being will come to pass. He would be handed over to the people of iron, the Romans. They will treat him shamefully, spit on him, and put him to death. But on the third day, he will come back to life. As the, as the disciples heard those words, at that time, they did not understand what Jesus was saying. The text says the meaning was hidden from their eyes. And then what follows in chapter 18 is the healing of a man who was blind, an act that more importantly restored this man to community from which he had been cast out. And Jesus says to the man, your trust in me has healed you. The women at the empty tomb remembered the Greek term here for the word remembered means more than just recollection. It means to bring past actions to bear on the present with new power and insight. And in their remembering, the women trust creator sets free. They are healed, restored. What had been hidden, they can now see. And so they go to proclaim the good news with new power, with new insight. Indeed, I wonder, why do we search for the living in the place of the dead?
it seems that we compulsively search for life in tombs. In what we've kept buried deep in the emptiness of ourselves and in the tombs of this world. Yet remembering what Jesus had said to the disciples earlier in chapter 19, we know that even the smallest amount of faith can move death. So why do we look in the places of the dead when Jesus said that death would be moved and transformed and overcome? Life doesn't stay in the tomb. It is found where what was in the tomb has been freed, moved, transformed, and resurrected. I wonder what the Spirit wants to set free from the tombs in your life and in our collective life. following Jesus on the good road. This Easter morning, we are invited to return to life, to awake from the sleep of death, to rise or be born before a world that awaits to witness new life. This kind of returning to life doesn't equate to returning to things as normal or the way that they were before or where we left them, in the places of the dead. Even, even after hearing the good news, Peter looked for Jesus in the wrong place. We could maybe say some more things about Peter, but I'm not I'm going to refrain. And I get it. Sometimes we just need to see for ourselves. This resurrection story, though, also reminds us that God speaks through those we easily write off. Mary Magdala, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who lived in a world biased against the admissibility of them as witnesses are the first ones to bear witness to the resurrection. And here, for the first time in this resurrection account, their names are shared, emphasizing their function as message bearers on Creator's good road. Their reception of the resurrection message confirms their discipleship, that they had received the instruction that Creator sets free had shared. And it had become a part of them. It had become second nature. And so they share the good news. What they see with their own eyes. What they have heard for themselves. Probably knowing they would be met with skepticism. As confirmed by the men not believing them, but thinking they were full of empty talk, a bit of nonsense, if you will. 
I wonder who in our world today we write off. I was talking nonsense. What are the names of those who need to be heard as witnesses to Creator's good road? The good news is that Creator sets free, continues to heal, to restore each one of us and our neighbors to the kingdom, to the community of belonging. The invitation today to return to life is an invitation to trust that Christ is alive in and among us. Death, yes, death has been defeated. And this Easter, we join all creation in bearing witness to life. This is my prayer for us. In the most challenging time of the day, when our hunger for peace, for justice, for healing is strongest. May we recognize it as the perfect time to sing. May the mystery and hope of Easter live in the resurrecting dawn of each new day. In the invitation to join in acts of deterring any rival to hope, that would take up space or residence in our lives. Friends, let us sing, reminding ourselves and one another and this world that Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Amen.